Hey, uh, before we get started, if you're new around here, we're just glad you're here, and uh, thanks for joining us this Memorial Day weekend. I want to also say thank you to those that came out this week, both Thursday night, uh, got a ton of stuff done, and then also Friday to help clean the place up. And um, next Sunday, we're going to do something kind of fun and special. This has been our, our little home, you know. Actually, it felt really big, didn't it, until we built those walls back there, and now it Maybe not for you, just because I'm standing here looking at it. Now it feels really little. And so we are going to tear down the little home next Sunday after church and expand this thing so that they can get in here and tape it and paint it and all that stuff. So we're going to have an opportunity for those to get involved. Maybe this is a little nostalgic and the feeling of, you know, um, the little church is going to feel a lot different when we get done with that. And so we just wanted to invite you, if you want to stick around after church next week, throw some work gloves and, you know, coveralls or something in your car. And uh, we're going to we're going to tear that wall down. So, yeah, it'll be good time. Hey, it is Memorial Day weekend, and uh, this weekend we pause to remember those who gave everything, right? So that we can live, so we can live with the freedoms and enjoy the freedoms that we have. And I think it's interesting in our culture, uh, everything just moves so quickly. Have you noticed how um, anybody go to any graduation parties this week? Yeah, okay, all over, right? And what's what's cool is it seems like every year at a graduation party you get to experience um, a slideshow, right? Or at least a photo album of all the memories from, you know, little baby pictures up to 18 years old and just life, right? And it's pretty cool. Um, you see all these pictures. And then also, if you've been, had a wedding, I bet many of you had a slideshow at your wedding, right? We had this one and it was so mushy, you know, and showed both of our lives growing up independently. And then we meet, you know, and then the, the proposal and the engagement and all that. And, uh, it's really sweet. But at our wedding, you know, and a lot of you, you have a slideshow at your wedding. And then, hopefully a long time later, you have a slideshow when you die. Right? I mean, I'm a pastor, done a lot of funerals, and usually there's a slideshow. And usually there's this period of decades where if you're in the middle of this period or at the, you know, you're a little further down the road, you know it just seems like somebody hits the fast forward button, doesn't it? And time just flies. And oftentimes in those times, something I don't think we do a very good job at just in general as a culture, I don't think we do a very good job of pausing to remember, to just t- to celebrate life. To, to not let life just pass by, but to actually pause and think about what God has done, to pause and think about the blessings that we have, to pause and remember e- even the trials, to remember those that, that gave so much so that we could be where we are, right? Life is just so busy. We rarely pause and remember what came before. You know, a couple of years ago, I started this cool little family tradition that we really like in our family. And that is on New Year's Day. We take a moment and, you know, everybody's got digital phones and you take like a thousand pictures, 5,000, some of you, you know, during the year. And so really it's like, does anybody actually go back and look at any of these? Well, we started this tradition on New Year's Day. We sit there and we get to watch this really cool slideshow and we go back through the whole last year, sometimes a couple years, and just remember all the highlights from the year, all these things that really 
Otherwise, it's just so easy just to forget and let it pass by. So I thought I'd show you a few pictures that I found. So I was writing this talk. This was Mexico um, in, in 2018. We got to take almost 70 people down there. It was cool. But what the highlight was for my wife and for me, she had dreamed of doing missions as a family for years and years and years. And so to have this opportunity to go do this, and we got to do it with our small group, some great friends, and uh, it was a blast. And so that was a cool memory. I got to go to Thailand, and we sent, got to be part of training and sending out these 30, the first 30 pastors that we were sending out. That was like a really cool experience for me, right? And then just fun family memories, right? Hanging out in the mountains. That was, she's so sweet, right? She just turned seven now, and it's like time's just flying too fast. Um, but hanging out on the Mesa with my boy, watching a total eclipse, that was cool. Cool memory, right? And can any of you actually, the week of like a total lunar eclipse, the whole week, the song Total Eclipse of the Heart just ran through my head incessantly. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know if that's you either. But, um, and then hanging out, we got this cool little getaway, my wife and I, in November, where we just got to go up to Ure and uh, stayed in this little place that has these uh, little natural hot springs and whiskey barrels and got to sit out there as the snow fell on our heads and it was magical, right? It was just cool, a great little getaway. And then just fun family photos and pretty much that's what my boy looks like in all of our family photos at this stage of life, right? Uh, it's just great times, you know? And I don't think we pause and remember what God's done. I don't think we pause enough and remember our, uh, the, the things he's blessed us with. And I think this is a really helpful habit in life. I think this is something that will make your life more rich. But also, it's something critical that we need to do when, we, when, when God brings you into a new season of life, when you find yourself moving into a season of change, into a new period of life. And just to remind you, we are in a mini-series right now, just a real short little mini-series. Then we're going to be jumping back into the book of Luke and finishing it up this summer. Scout's honor. We're going to do it. We're going to finish it. Um, and so we'll finish that this summer and move on to other stuff. But right now we're in this um, mini-series called The Constant. And where that comes from is this Greek philosopher that lived 500 years before Jesus. And he's the one who we got this phrase, change is the only constant. Anybody heard that? I'm sure you've heard that. And I think we can all identify with that in life, right? That every time you feel like in your current season you have something figured out, something changes, right? Every time you feel like you get in a good rhythm, something changes. Every time you feel like life is in order, something changes. And before you know it, it's like chaos again, right? Every time you feel like you're, you have your kids figured out, they change. And you got to figure things out again, right? And navigating change really isn't easy. You know, much, I think, of our anxiety, much of our fear centers around seasons of change in our life, doesn't it? Because there's just so many unknowns, aren't there? And there really isn't a guarantee when it comes to our life circumstances and how things are going to go. And another thing about seasons of change, I told you we'd really dive into this this week, is this, that seasons of change are often one of those key times when people abandon or they drift away from their faith in God. In fact, there's, there's four real seasons where we see people really uh, struggle with drifting away from their faith in God. One of those seasons is, is pretty obvious. It's seasons of trials. Seasons of trials. 
where it feels like God isn't answering your prayer or things just aren't working out or you, you look at your, your friends or your neighbors and everything is rosy and, and your life feels like it's falling apart. And there's this common theme that, that when people go through seasons of trials, that there's this idea, and a lot of it is because people have the, the, the wrong idea that Jesus or God promises that if you just follow him, everything's going to be great. That's a falsehood. That's just, if you hear that from a preacher, they're just trying to sell you something, seriously. But the truth is, what happens in people's life is there's a disillusionment with God because of life circumstances. And a disillusionment leads to doubts in their life. Does God really care? Is God really there, right? And before you know it, that leads to detachment. So seasons of trial are a big factor in life. Another one that's pretty common is seasons of temptation. Seasons of temptation. There's all kinds of temptation. I think this is also something we can all identify with. But oftentimes, where it really plays itself out in relationships in our lives, right? Where you have a set of values, you have a strong faith, and you've been waiting for this other person to show up, and they're not showing up, but, but he is so cute, you know? Or she is so cute. And, and all of a sudden, before you know it, um, you're kind of walking away from value, your, your values. You're walking away from the importance you had of finding someone like-minded to do life with. And you find yourself in a situation where temptation to go that way is drawing you away from God, right? That's a pretty common one. You know, oftentimes in people's lives, people, people don't just wake up one morning and go, I don't think the New Testament's reliable. You know, after growing up, now sometimes, you know, they go to a, a college or a high school class and, and that's kind of the outcome. But, but for most people, that isn't the way it works. The way it works is your behavior, your lifestyle just starts drifting away from what you believe and what you hold to be true. And pretty soon it's hard to handle this cognitive dissonance in your life. And before you know it, Something has to give, and you just find yourself drifting away from your relationship with God. People don't often believe themselves away from God. They behave themselves away from God. That before you know it, the, the thing that you're in just isn't matching up with your faith anymore. And before you know it, you drift away from God, right? The third one is seasons of too much or seasons of abundance. And, and here's how I think this plays itself out. And I think this is a huge deal, not just for our culture in general, but specifically for, for, for our church, for our congregation. Because you guys are a bunch of busy and many of you very successful people that are into, that just have crazy busy lives, right? And, and here's the thing. Seasons of too much or seasons of abundance are like this, you know, you remember a time when you were scrapping just to make ends meet and life was hard, you know, and you were living out of a little one-bedroom studio apartment and you, when you first got married, and you remember that, but things are actually not like that now. Things are pretty good, really. It, it's not that rough, but what you have going on in your life is just so much. You have so many opportunities. You have so many things that begin to crowd into your life that before you know it, that closeness with God and the priority that you had placed on following God and, and serving him in your life or maybe serving um, in his kingdom in different ways has just totally slipped off the radar because you just have too much going on. And most of the things oftentimes are good things. You would look at it, they're good opportunities for your kids. They're good, you know, they're, gonna, they're good things to advance your career. They're good things in the community, but, but it's just too much. 
And this is one of those seasons where people just find this drift away from God. And then what we're talking about in this series, seasons of transition or seasons of change. And some of you are in seasons like this right now because you're graduating. You're getting ready to head off to a whole new town, to a whole new school. Some of you, you just graduated from middle school. You're getting ready to head into high school. You're going to have a whole new group of friends, right? Some of you, you're heading, uh, you're just graduating from college. You're going to get your first real job, you know? And you're going to move to a new city, or maybe some of you are here and you just moved to the big city, you know, I don't know where, from Delta or something, you know? You're, this is the big city. And you have a whole new group of friends around you. And oftentimes what happens is that whole new group of friends, the faith that you held so dearly and that meant so much to you, you're just around a whole new group of people and it just isn't even on their radar, right? And in these seasons of change and seasons of transition, it's one of the key times when people just drift away from God. And before you realize it, you know, six months have gone by yet and church just hasn't happened, you know? Not that you have to be in church, but... But here's the thing about church. It keeps you connected in your relationship with God, and it keeps you connected in community. It's, it's vital, okay? And then a year goes by, right? Seasons of change, seasons of transition. These are key times in life, and these are often times when people walk away. And so here's what we're going to see. We've been looking at the life of Joshua, the very early years of Joshua in this series. And today we're going to see the first big challenge that Joshua and the people of Israel face in their season of change that's following Moses' death. And I'm going to share with you five things to remember in seasons of change. And I think this is vital, because if we don't take the time to remember what God has done, life will drown out our our memory of his faithfulness. If we don't take the time to remember what God has done in our lives, life will just crowd out our relationship. With him. And so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Joshua chapter 3. And what we saw last week is this. God calls Joshua, and he, he tells him to be strong and, and courageous. He puts him in the place of leading the people of Israel after the death of Moses. And he tells him to be strong and courageous because he's going to be the one who leads the people into the promised land. And so, in verse 5 of Joshua chapter 3, here's what it says. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Remember last week, God says, okay, here's the deal. You're going to lead the people in the land. Get ready. And so Joshua takes the first step that God shows him, the first next step. We said that oftentimes we don't see 10 steps down the road, but God shows us the next step we're supposed to take. And the next step was he went through camp and and told everybody, get ready. We're going to go. We're going into the promised land, right? He didn't know how, how God was going to pull this off, but he knew that God had called them. And so now he says, it's happening. It's going to happen tomorrow. And so he says, consecrate yourselves. Or the Hebrew word is Kadesh, and literally it means set yourselves apart. Be dedicated to God for his purposes. Dedicate yourself to him. Let go of the things you need to let go of so that you can be fully engaged in following God. And here's the really, the first thing, if you want to take notes, I encourage you to jot these things down because one of them may really strike your heart as we go through this today. And this may be the thing that God wants you to get. The first thing is this, remember that your life is part of God's bigger story, that ultimately it's about him. We talk about this a lot here, right? And, And here's the thing, as 
people in the United States of America, we slip very easily into this way of thinking that really life, that pretty much we are the star actor in the movie of life, which is all about ourselves. This is the way we tend to think. And we don't do it intentionally, but we just slip into this because it's such a big deal in in our culture. Um, Nobody had to teach us to be selfish. We were born with that, okay? But here's the thing. Here's the thing you got to realize. It's in the midst of God's big story. He still cares very much about the finer details of your life. You know, the details that you're all stressed out about, the details that you're spun out on, the details that you're fixated on. He cares about that stuff. It's not that he doesn't care. God cares about you. He cares about those details. He knows your pain. He knows your hopes. He knows your dreams for your children. He knows your desire for companionship. He he gets it, right? But here's the thing. Whenever your life becomes fixated and focused on your little world, even on your family, like the world of your family, your extended family, it's, it's too small of a thing to live for. And if you find yourself where you're getting fixated on me and mine and just this little bubble, and a lot of times for people, this is, I mean, just life is good. You know, there's, there's just so many activities. It's that crowding out thing we were talking about, right? And there's so many things. And before you know it, you and your family, it becomes all about our little thing right here. And you lose sight of the bigger picture that God has placed you here to be part of what he wants to accomplish in his kingdom throughout this world. And if you lose that frame of reference and life becomes all about here and now and just you and your family and mine, you know, my little world, my little kingdom, you will be unhappy. You will be unsatisfied. And usually what people do is they dig into trying to do more and more stuff and acquire more and more things and pack more and more into their life thinking that's going to fulfill them. And it doesn't. It just leads to more and more unfulfillment And more and more depression because you weren't designed to live for you. You were designed to live as part of the bigger story of God's bigger story of reaching people in this world with his love and his care and living for something bigger than yourself. Uh, We say this phrase often. I think it's such a valuable thing to remember that life is for you, not about you. God designed life for your enjoyment, but it's not about you. You get those things two things mixed up, and you will be a miserable person. All right, verse eight. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. So yesterday, or last week, God told them, you're gonna lead these people into the promised land. You're gonna cross the river. You're gonna go. And Joshua's thinking, okay, we're doing this. I don't know how it's at flood stage right now. Well, now God's going to give him your next step in your mission, right? So you're going to get the priest. Go tell the priest, I want you to carry the ark and go down, stand in the river. Verse 9, so Joshua said to the Israelites, come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you, and he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Girgashites, Amorites, and Jebusites. If you read them fast enough, you don't know if I'm saying them right. So that's kind of my pastor trick for you there. See, verse 11, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. That's kind of cool, isn't it? That's kind of cool. Verse 13, and as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, 
set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. And so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. And here's the second thing you can write down. And this, um, I heard this old, old Christian song that had this cool lyric. It said this, waters never part until your feet get wet. And this is the principle I've seen over and over when God calls you towards something, whether it's a, it's a thing in your family, it's a thing in your business or work or schooling. You almost never go into something with 100% of the information. God almost always calls you to take a step of faith where you don't really know the outcome. You don't really know how things are going to end up. It's just this thing. A lot of times we wish that weren't true, right? Anybody else, you're risk averse. You like to see the whole picture. You know, God, would you just show me the whole picture, how this is all going to work out before I get my feet wet? I'd like to stay up here on the dry shore for a while. But that's just not the way it works. That's what faith is all about, is when God leads you into something, you take a step and you don't know how it's all going to work out. There's an element of risk, right? If, if you waited for 100% of the information, nobody in this room would be married, right? Yeah. And even if you thought you had 100% of the information, you got married and you're like, wow, I only had about 10%, right? Isn't that true? Five, yeah. <laughs> Waters don't part. You know, when God first led us to, to plant the church, um, we, we, didn't, we were still thinking this was a couple years down the road, you know, a couple years down the road. But we wanted to take the first step, so we were praying about it. And at that point, we had this real idea of using, like, some video interviews and doing some cool stuff. So I met with my videographer friend, and I'm like, you know, what should we do? What cameras should we get? And he told me these cool, geeky cameras. And, and then he said, you get these cameras, and you go out and buy these really cool old Nikon lenses from the 80s that have the best glass and you fix them on there and you can do these you know super high quality and the cameras are only like $700 each instead of 10,000 or something you know so I'm like cool and you're like he should stop saying cool that's all really nerdy you know so I'm nerdy um but I did I bought these cameras and then I started going garage sailing looking for lenses because that's where you find some of these sometimes right and so it was while I was out garage sailing one morning, still thinking planning a church is years down the road, that we drove by, and I wouldn't have seen this otherwise, but pulled in and saw a sign up there that said Event Center in the little gym that's, you know, the treadmill's next door now. And that's when God strongly prompted us. It says, oh, here's your space. Go for it. It was like, gulp, now? Yeah, now. Not in a couple years. And that's how we got started. And it was just a next step. It was a, a risk when we took that plunge to, to start this thing. But that's the way that, that, that God does it. You don't have, courage, have to have courage to see the whole picture. You just have to have courage to take the first step. Now, this doesn't mean be foolish. Taking a step of faith doesn't mean foolishness. Taking a crazy risk. No, you go into it knowing you know, asking what's the wise thing to do and all of that and asking God to lead you clearly. We talked about discerning the voice of God and what God's leading you to last week. If you missed that, you can go catch up on that. 
doesn't mean be foolish, but what it does mean is if you're always wanting to try to wait for 100% of the information before you step into the next thing God has for you, you're never going to get to what God has for you because that's almost never the way that God works. Is there something in your life right now that you know God's calling you to do, but you've just been holding back because you just want that extra 5% of the info, right? Maybe you need to take that step. 3.15. Now, the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet, as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathon. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. Now, this is a cool scene in, um, how many have seen like the movie, the old movie, Ten Commandments or Prince of Egypt or, you know, the cartoon or one of those. And so, you know, when they went, go through the Red Sea, there's like a wall of water on each side and it's dramatic. And Moses is up there with his staff and the wind's blowing, you know, and Charlton Heston has this epic beard and it's just going everywhere, Right. I See, probably growing up, I, I pictured this scene kind of like that too. But here's the thing. God, God rarely ever does things the exact same way twice. He is the creator of the universe. He is more cre- creative than anyone in the universe, right? And I think this little scene, as I study this text, I think this scene went a little bit differently. Because you notice it says, as soon as the, the priest's feet hit the water, as soon as that happened, um, the priests who carried the ark, they reached the Jordan. The water piled up a great distance away in this town. And as we look at it and try to figure out where this might have been, there's this town up about 16 miles upriver, we think, in this area called Zarephath, or Zarethin. About 16 miles upriver. And so picture this scene. Joshua's like, the, the river's going to part. It's going to be amazing. And God tells the priest, I want you to tell the priest, just go stand in the water. You know, take that ark and you go down in there. And the river's flowing at flood stage, kind of like our river. And they walk down into that river. They're getting a little deeper. You know, they're up to about their shins. And then it says, as soon as they did that, God acted. But I think what happened is God sent a landslide or something. There's this spot up the river um, that's kind of narrow. And it cut the flow of the river off. Like it says, it piled up in a great heat, in a huge heat, a great distance away, which means 16 miles of river would have probably taken several hours to drain out. And so these priests are wading down there and the winds blow at a little bit. It's gentle breeze, not like the dramatic Moses beard thing, you know. And then they just stand there. Here I And Joshua's thinking, hmm, not very Moses-like for my first big deal, you know? God told me walk in these shoes, not very Moses-like here. And they're just waiting, right? This is my best understanding of the passage. And and here's what you have to remember. Remember that God is working even when you can't see him in your life. God is working even when you can't see him. You know, it said immediately God moved in the situation. 
As soon as they took the step of obedience, immediately God moved. But I don't think they began to notice anything for a while. I think it was a while. They were standing there feeling pretty silly. Like, okay, God, where are you, right? And he's like, just hold, hang on. I, I already did it. Just hang on, right? Moses is thinking, or Joshua's thinking, should I go get Moses' staff? I mean, last time that was, you know, maybe I, maybe I forgot that vital step, right? And here's the thing. This is the place when we usually lose faith in our walk with God. Is God calls us into something, we obey, we step into something, but then we don't see the results right away. And so many times that's where we lose our faith in God. It started so clear with God's leading. Now it was like, God, was that even you, right? Or we're years into this thing and nothing's happening. We just look silly. We just feel so silly right now, right? When I was at camp, it seemed so clear to do that hard thing, to follow God. You know, I really meant it, but now back at school, I don't know. I just feel so silly, right? And this is where you need that confidence, like we talked about last week. When, when he told Joshua, hey, be, be bold and courageous, be strong and courageous, because I will never leave you or forsake you. And in the New Testament, that's echoed to you or me. I will never leave you or forsake you. That even in those times where you cannot see me at work, as you step out in faith and obedience, I am at work behind the scenes. Don't give up hope. Don't give up. You know, when we started the church, um, before we launched our Sunday services, we'd been going a whole year just on Saturdays, and we knew we had to go full-time with this thing, and our timetable got sped up, and this whole deal. Well, we had this whole prayer send-off thing planned from the other church I was uh, executive pastor of, and they're, they blessed us, and you know, woo-hoo, everybody's cheering and sending me off. And then right after that happened, I'm sitting there praying with my friend Dave, one of the elders, because I'd just gotten a call that week that we might not have a place to meet anymore. Right, So you're standing up there feeling like, yeah, you know, everybody's cheering you on, and you're going, I don't know if this is even going to work. <laughs> and about four months later, God moves us into here. It was an amazing thing, right? But that's the way it so often works, and this is so often the time when people lose it in their faith. And so they're standing there in the water, and somebody shouts, hey, I think it's going down. And they watch, and then steadily the water just drains out, and they're standing on dry ground. And they cross through. Amazing. Some of you, you need to know that even though you haven't seen it, God has already moved on your behalf. You just haven't seen it yet. It's just upstream. It's upstream a ways. Just because you don't see anything dramatic yet, don't give up. Joshua 3 16, the second half. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. The priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. This is in, in, in their, in their new mission to go into the promised land. This is success. This is a big moment, but here's the thing. This is, this is just the first step of many victories, of many victories, some setbacks, some major setbacks, and some defeats, right? Before they will end up successfully doing what God called them 
to do. And here's what you got to remember in those times. If you want to write this down, that remember that our faithfulness is measured in lifetimes. So oftentimes we get so hung up on these dramatic events like this. And, and here's the thing. In Scripture, Scripture, um, they were writing on scrolls that were a certain length. You could not include all the information. And so obviously we get some of the highlights, right? But many times as you're reading through the Bible, a dramatic moment where God shows up and speaks to somebody in a clear way and leads them, or there's a, this amazing miracle, is followed by, you know, like 100 years, you know, or 40 years in the desert. And this is the reality of life. The dramatic thing is just a marker. It's a signpost. It's not never was designed to be the everyday norm. And if you're looking for the dramatic all the time, you're going to lose faith and you're going to lose heart. Because faithfulness is meant to be measured in lifetimes. You just walk it out faithfully day after day. You show up day after day. You follow God day after day. You fall down one day. You get back up. You turn back to God and you follow him, right? Finishing well is just as important as this great success when you're a startup, right? I would say in many cases it's more important. What you do when you succeed is just important, just as important as what you do when, when you're scraping to survive, you know. I tell you, in, in planning and leading a church, you know, it was interesting because how your mind has to adjust. Because for the first couple of years, man, you're just trying to survive. <laughs> I mean, we we're just like, all right, is this even going to work? Is anybody going to show up, you know? Some, will we get a paycheck again? You know, this would be great. How's this going to all work out? And then as God starts to come through and God starts to grow things and things start to take off, it gets to that point where you're like, hmm, I think maybe this might actually work. Now what, right? And so as we've, you know, we prayed about so many things in the course of the last um, five to six years, you know. So we moved in here and said, God, we're just going to hold this with open hands. We didn't, we just had a short-term lease for a period of months, you know. We don't know. And then we prayed, but God, you could give us this building. We believe that, right? And we prayed and we prayed and then God allowed us to purchase it a year ago. And then we've been praying about all this for years, like, and having dreams and visions about doing this. And now as we see it coming to completion, the thing in my heart that I need to constantly remind myself is this, is this, all this, is just the beginning. It's just the beginning of what God wants to do to reach out to hearts. I got to stay focused. We need to stay focused on a church as things get nicer. And you know what? The crazy thing, when we tear down that wall, after this, everybody that comes, they're, just, they're not going to have any idea of what this was, you know? They're not going to remember church in a hardware store. I think that's a good thing. But that means it's incumbent on us to maintain the mission that God's called us to, to reach people, right? To maintain that, to, to measure our faithfulness in lifetimes, not just in moments. Chapter 4, verse 1. This is how this great story of their first success ends. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men from among the people, one from each tribe, 
and tell them to take up 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, from right where the priests are standing, and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stay tonight. So Joshua called together the 12 men he had appointed from the Israelites, one from each tribe, and said to them, go over before the ark of the Lord your God into the middle of the Jordan. Each of you is to take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of tribes of the Israelites to serve as a sign among you. In the future, when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial, a memorial to the people of Israel forever. This is a weekend we remember. We pause to remember, right? And here's the thing. If we don't take time to remember what God has done, life will drown out our memory of his faithfulness. It just will. You've got to pause and remember. Verse 8. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them. They took 12 stones from the middle of the Jordan, according to the number of the tribes of of the Israelites, as the Lord had told Joshua, and they carried them over with them to their camp, where they put them down. Joshua set up the 12 stones that had been in the middle of the Jordan at the spot where the priest who carried the Ark of the Covenant had stood, and they are there to this day. A memorial, a reminder, a signpost pointing to the things that God has done. And the fifth and last thing I want you to write down if you're taking notes is this. Remember God's past faithfulness. Never, never, never forget. Let me say that again. Remember God's past faithfulness. Never, never, never forget. This is so, so important in our lives. It's so important because the season of change that God will bring you into will require you to remember what God has done in your past. He never makes a guarantee it's going to be real easy. You know, and whatever God is calling us to, whatever he's leading us to, there's a good chance it won't be any less challenging than what he's already brought us through. Because if we are orienting our lives to live towards his bigger picture, that'll be challenging, right? And if we don't take time to remember what God has done, man, life's just going to drown it out, isn't it? It's going to drown it out. And so what you need to do is you need to set up some memorials in your life, things you cling to, things that, you, that help you remember, that you can say, I know that I know that God did that. And you got to be intentional about remembering. This weekend is so that we will be intentional about remembering. It's not just a great kickoff for the summer, right? For most people, it's like Memorial Day. Oh, yeah, that's the day we barbecue, you know, and go to the lake for the first time. No. The point is so that we will be intentional about remembering. What we do, do up here on a monthly basis when we take communion together is a time to be intentional about remembering what Jesus Christ did for us, that we have freedom from sin and death and eternal life in him, right? And you have to be intentional about remembering what God has done in your life about those times, because memories fade quickly, especially when you're in the midst of hardship. And here's the thing. If you know, you know when you're in a season of change, memory just fades so quick. It's so hard to remember those things that God has done as you're facing that time where you just, 
you, you know, you're just depressed. Things aren't good right now. And yet you've seen God move in your life in amazing ways in the past. You've seen him answer prayers. You've seen him provide so much. And you need to figure out a way to remember that. I think, you know, if you have something that means a lot to you, that reminds you of what God did, frame it. Put it up on your wall. Don't just leave it in the midst of, you know, your 3,000 pictures on Google, you know. Frame it. Print it. We have so much information. You got you to do this, right? You got to have markers in life. Write it down. Write it down. I think one of the most powerful things you can do for, this, for your sake and the sake of your kids is to, to make, write down some of the prayers that you're praying about life and then go back and look at that. I was amazed. I had to update my, my journal. Um, I do this thing online, you know, nerdy. Um, but I had to go back and update because it had been a while since I'd written in it. And I don't journal every day. Some of you do, and you're really good at this. But what I try to do is in times where I'm facing things or in times where there's highlights or we see God do this, some cool stuff or cool family stuff happens or we have a prayer and God answers, I try to record that and write it down so that we don't forget. And I was just amazed as I thought back about over about the last year and a half and then went back and read prayers from the previous several years. And it's like, wow, God, you've done so much. You've been so faithful. See, you forget that if you don't write it down. And then take the time. You have to have an intentional way to remember it. And so I encourage you to, to, to journal and write it down. Some of the biggest things in my life have been books, missionary stories, and a um, book called Is That Really You, God? by Lauren Cunningham. You know the only way that you get the impact of somebody else's story, the only way that somebody else can benefit from the things that God's done in your life is if you communicate them. That's why you got to write them down. you got to share them with your kids. Right? When your kids ask, what does that mean? It shouldn't be a brand new story for them. It should be like, oh yeah, you've told that story a million times. That's cool. That's what that means, right? So that when they have kids and, and, and your grandkids, it's like, grandpa, this was what happened when grandpa in grandpa's life, right? This is why community is so important. Because if you get people around you that are good firsthand and friends, their stories become your stories, right? We had a, uh, this family in our small group, and God provided for them in the most cool way, the timing, to go on a missions trip. That story is now my story. That's why community is important. Would you stand? Really, here's all I want you to do this week. Two things. I want you to go home and think about what God has done. I want you to write it down. Just take some time. Maybe, you know, think through the last path. You don't have to like do a long, like, you know, take an hour. Just jot down. God did this. God did this. We prayed about this. And I guarantee you, as you, you know, if you have spent some time praying about things over the past four or five years of your life, I think you'll be amazed to see, wow, remember what God's done, right? And then the second thing is, there is something that you need to be reminded of in this current season you're in. You just need to be reminded of it. And here's what I think would help you. Take your phone, and you know you have these cool things called reminders on here. You can set them years in advance if you want. And, and a while ago, a couple of years ago, as we were preaching through the book of Colossians, there's this scripture that just struck me. Colossians 4.7, see to it that you complete the ministry 
that you have received in the Lord. And I set it as a reminder in my phone. About every three months, about every quarter, that thing just pops up. Ding! I'm like, oh, yeah. Thank you, God. I had to remind this. You have something in your life that you need to be reminded of in order that you can look back on your life and your faithfulness can be measured in a lifetime. Would you find a way, use your phone, use your calendar, whatever, to remind yourself of it? Don't let it slip off your radar, okay? Let me pray for you. Father, thank you for my friends. And Lord, I just ask your blessing on them today. I ask that you would bring to mind your faithfulness in their lives. And for Lord, for those that don't have a lot of stories because they keep saying no to you, would you let them say yes to you? And then as they step out in faith, give them the most amazing stories of your faithfulness in their lives, Lord. We pray these things in your name, the name of Jesus. Amen.